If you have the desire to be sustainable but are unsure of what can go in the recycling bin or you're constantly forgetting the reusable grocery bags, check out Starting Sustainability, the podcast. Don't be frustrated or confused anymore. Starting Sustainability was created to help those beginning their sustainable journey. Each week, we give ideas on simple concepts you can easily incorporate into your current lifestyle. We also share stories of what works and what doesn't, so you don't have to waste your time and money. Check out Starting Sustainability, available everywhere you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike. And I'm here with the whisking wonder, Nick. The whisking wonder? What does that even mean? When you whisk, when you have a little whisk and you're doing the beating of the stuff and making it all liquidy. Okay, well, I'll take it. I would have taken the Bachelor of Blending, the Master of Mixology, the the Commodore of Combining. Either way, that's awesome. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Seems like all we ever do is mornings now. I blame your side gig. Yeah, I blame my side gig too. That's because I don't get home until between midnight and one in the morning normally. I mean, you're usually not up that late anyways. No, I'm an old man. I go to bed at like 10, 1030 now. <laughs> well, hopefully at some point here, very, very shortly with the success of Tasty Bits and Soul Box, you will be picking your own schedule and I will be able to, well, pseudo pick your own schedule, but be able to drag you into some day to daytime or nighttime recordings it would be awesome and dare i say it, it'd be great to actually be able to do them in person again but yeah i'm really excited i just picked up another subscriber on soulbox last night i love it when people that i don't actually know take a chance on it and subscribe it's you know i always appreciate it when my friends and family do it it is wonderful but when it's total strangers like hey that food looks good i'm like yeah <laughs> so it's not great when i'm like yes i want my same things every time no, it's not not great. I appreciate it very much. And there's nothing I like more than cooking giant pans of chicken. It's just nice, you know, that someone wants to take a chance on me. It makes me feel good. Well, it's one of those things that helps me throughout the week. We always talk about trying to create some sustainability through the week. Right now, my life is far too hectic. I'm working on trying to reduce that so I can maybe even enjoy life a little. And one of those ways I'm reducing that time is food prep. Getting the food from you, prepping it for the week. My lunch here today is basically catered by you. You're welcome. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. I was going to say, to be honest, my lunch is also catered by me. So what I've been doing the last few weeks with Soulbox food is I've been pumping the numbers up a tiny bit, like maybe like a percent and a half. So if like you ordered 30 pieces of chicken and I bought 35, then that means I get five. And when I decided I said this week, I've been trying to cut back on, on my starch and eat a little less and cut back on my portions. I just, when I prepped all the food this week, I just prepped my own food with it. That's where I, where I was going with that. So the other day, Jameson was like, oh, this creamy mushroom blah, blah, is delicious. And I was eating some too. I'm like, it sure is. <laughs> No, it, it, it helps me tremendously with helping balance. There's days that I'll just tell everybody, I took today off from work because we have this show that we're recording right now. 
Mm-hmm. We have a crossover episode with starting sustainability tonight at 8.30. Yes, I know. You're very pouty. Rob is going to sit in and help us out again. Then I have I'm being interviewed by a podcast at 4.30. And then I also have a speaking engagement at 1 o'clock. So at this point, I've just started packing it all on one day, taking the day off of work because it's far too challenging to try to weave it in and out of it and just do it all at once. I mean, that's what you can do. If you can make it work like that, that's what you should do. That's kind of like a goal for me. I want to get to a point where I no longer have to have the employment at White's while I do enjoy being there to some degree. It's a lot of my time that I can't utilize for other things. And a lot of times I feel like it's a waste of time because it's punching a time clock and waiting there to hope to God they get busy when I could be working on recipes, doing videos. I could be launching another ad, like another part of the catering company for marketing. There's lots of things I could be doing for my own businesses that I can't do while I'm there. I already kind of do too much there in terms of like for catering and answering phone calls and stuff while I'm on the clock there isn't really right. But at the same time, like I'm not going to not do it. Speaking of your videos, what's your total on that other one that you did? The ridiculous one is at 539,000. Telling you, you're going to be a TikTok star. It's that let's Facebook, that's not TikTok. Okay, you're going to be a Facebook star. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but it's what? With Edible Landscape, I'm supposed to be doing more videos. I am just not as excited and charismatic to do videos like you are. I don't know if I'd ever call it charismatic. I just creative? No. I've always wanted to make people laugh and entertain people. I've always wanted to help people. And I've always found that video production is fun for me. And so when I'm able to do little tiny 30 second, 40 second clips that are funny or cute or whatever I do with them, it makes me happy. And I used to get discouraged when no one would watch them, but now I really don't care. I mean, do I want to get views? Yes, I very much do want to get views. However, with that being said, if I make the videos for me, things that I think are funny, that I think are cool, that I think are really interesting, then I just hope people find something of substance inside of them. And if they don't, they don't. But I really enjoy it. And did you see the one I put on last night? I haven't, no. Oh, my gosh. So we had to do some vehicle shuffling. Heather's car went into the shop. And so with the, I don't know, logistics of trying to get it picked up, it was just easier for her to drop me off at work and then come back and pick me up. Mm-hmm. Well, when she did that, two of the kids were in the car sleeping. So when we were done, we walked out of the bar and Rosie was they had the, the the passenger seat completely laid back, feet on the on the windshield. She's got her mouth hanging open. She's snoring. And so I made a little video about it. And I couldn't help myself. I thought I was hilarious. <laughs> so, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll see it soon. I hope so. Well, and don't forget, you got to make a couple for the Patreon as people filter in. It's time to start putting that up. You've got recipes coming. I do. Two recipes a month. So yep. Sounds like you're just gonna have to stay busy. I appreciate that because I was running out of things to do. Right. And let's face it, the Patreon is going to really kind of hinder on you. It's going to, the fun stuff will come from you. I'm very boring. So I will also post some videos and pictures and discussions and all that jazz, but yours are more entertaining. I don't know if any of that's true, but okay. I will do my best. I don't find myself that entertaining. Sometimes I make myself laugh, but it's just because it's somewhere inside my head, something's broken and it just rattles around. Hits my giggle switch. I I think yours are going to be just fine. I do need you to send me the link on my mobile again for the Patreon, or I'm just going to send you a picture I want you to put up for me. Okay. Well, and before we get started here, I have to say a horrible, terrible thing. So I got my first cup from Aaron, the do is greater than say cup. 
mm-hmm. and I used it constantly, right? It's just, this is my new favorite cup. Yeah, I, I don't like how you said used in past tense. Continue. Yes. So as we know, I work in a large building that's engineering and it got left there, left there and never found again. Now I'm hoping that some random person is now walking around with a realistic sustainability tumbler by Rise and Sparkle, but I don't have it anymore. So t- for today, with all these shows that I'm doing and things, I had to steal Jamie's wood grain version. Ah. Uh-huh. So that I would have one for all the shows, but I'm very disappointed and I'm going to have to get another one and I'm bummed. I can't believe it. It's the first cup. You realize the cup that's in my book, the picture of the coffee cup that's in my book that I used all through college that my mom got me because it was a French press that I ripped the press out of to use as a coffee cup. I still have that. It has dents. It is in rough shape. I still use it to this day because you're supposed to use them forever. Mm-hmm. I still have that one. And my cool, realistic sustainability one? Well, some things might aren't meant to last. And they say, if you love something, set it free. If it comes back, it's meant to be. It's a cup. I know. I know. I have no words. (laughs) I have no actual words of, like, wisdom for this. I'm sorry. It sucks. It's terrible. Um, Mine's dirty right now. I used it for coffee yesterday and then didn't bring it in the house when I got home last night. So I got out of the car to to take the kids to school. I looked at it. I was like, (laughs) oh. So it's yeah. So I'm currently using a, a disposable one because I'm a, a monster. I'm very well, sad about that. Well, to get you more than one. Well, that, no, that's the thing is I have I have more reusable cups than I probably should admit. I mean, I have a lot, a lot of them. I have a lot. <laughs> it's my moment of shame. <laughs> okay. Well, we will parlay your moment of shame into starting the show. This week, we're talking about deforestation. Remember, originally, I wanted to talk about palm oil, and as I did the research, I'm like, man, this really is a big, a piece of a bigger scope. So instead of just staying with palm oil, we went with, with the whole scope of deforestation. It's going to be a fun, long day if I can't get my voice under control. Well, that's right, hacky. <clears throat> so right now, in today's world, it's like a nonstop assault on trees. Did you know that there's actually an illegal logging industry? Like there's people who run around to protected trees and just steal them. I'm not surprised because if I, I would assume because trees have such a long life cycle, some of these trees you're talking about probably don't reproduce as fast as other ones and they take a lot longer too. So they probably were cleared and taken down to the point of almost, I guess you, I would say extinction. I really don't know. I mean, technically trees are alive, so they're extant. So it's not like it's, it's not an animal, but it is at the same, you can use, utilize those words in the same way. I assume that too many of the trees have been taken down for wood and not enough have been replanted to replenish it. And so they're pretty like, like big old redwoods and stuff. There, there's probably not, enough of them to allow them to be harvested harvested is a good yeah in many countries there's protected trees they have to have specific markings on them to be able to be cut down and processed for lumber but there is a huge like in brazil and in vietnam and korea and malaysia where people just run around cutting down trees and trying to not get caught Okay. That it is a shockingly, that happens a ton, (laughs) like way more than you would ever think. But I guess it's out in rural areas. There's very little in policing. 
And so there is, I guess it, it's more lucrative than the risk, but I just found that out as I was going through, because we are doing a masterful job as a human race of eliminating one of our two lungs on this planet through, de yes. through deforestation. And the reasons are, I'm going to say silly. The reasons for clearing out forest and a large scope and a large looking at it from a big point of view and not just money is silly because the number one reason we lose trees is to make room for more cattle. Yep. So right now, if, if you're not seeing a video, I got this look from Nick that of, of pure confusion, but 41% of deforestation and 80% of the Amazon that is cut down is for cattle. So to make room for cattle. Can you hear me, Michael? Am I good? When I start to complain and be confused, I need to make sure it comes through clearly. Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, well, we'll start with this WTF moment. You didn't say Amazon, right? Like well, the rainforest? The rain yes, 80% of what comes down in the Amazon is for cattle, but 41% of global deforestation is also for cattle. So I understand needing land for cattle and, and livestock. We all know about my feelings in the commercial like farm and agriculture in this in this country, let alone the world. But to clear places like that, I can only assume it's for two reasons, to eliminate possible predators and threats to your animals, but also to, to keep track of them better. I mean, in my head... If you have a wooded area, no matter what part of the country you're in, you would just fence in the wooden area and let the animals go where they want to go. I don't see the point in clearing trees out of an area unless you're that way you could put more grass. I think it's pointless personally. And I think that if you keep them there, it gives the more cover for the your animals to live. And But I just I guess I don't understand enough of it as to why they would do it like that. It seems counterproductive. Well, and if you look at it, I, I spent, I went down a rabbit hole last night. If you Google some of this stuff, what you do, you don't see grassland. Because remember, this was a forest. This was a yeah. jungle. So they send in the loggers first. So they get money for these guys to remove all this stuff. They start yanking stumps and burning them. So you end up with these high areas and low areas where all of the nature through that area has been just pummeled and destroyed. Right. Because you got Harvey equipment mm -hmm. coming through. It's not they're not just going up and down a trail. They've kind of ruined it all. Then you have no protection from the rain. So you end up with these high spots where there's cattle standing, where there's not a lot for them to chew on other than some random sprouts that are coming up mm -hmm. and it, with water all around it. In most cases, it depends on the time of the season, I'm sure. But it really just decimates that land. It isn't turning it into a prairie. It's just space. Mm hmm which means they still have to move them to a spot to feed them. They still have to do all these things to maintain the cattle. That's just room. So they decimate an ecosystem and shove back the wildlife, which as of right now, we've shoved it back you know, a significant amount, but not enough to like what we've done in most states, kind of corner it into small spaces. Yeah. But still, the point is you're shoving the wildlife into a smaller area while you're trying to turn it into commercial. And especially when it comes to Brazil, their answer is, we don't care about the jungle. We care about industry. And that's flat. They've said it flat out. So this is why, I don't know. Okay, so give me a second to collect my thoughts because I have a lot to say about this, but not at the same time. This isn't exactly something that's new for, for thousands of years. People that live in, in areas 
prune and clear and adjust the local ecology to suit their needs. That and the Amazon, the Amazon is is actually a product of that. Um, the Amazon is man-made. Believe it or not, it was. But we're talking that was thousands of years ago when it was created by tribes and people that used it to suit their needs. Nowadays, where it's not a bunch of people with like sights and knives and you know, what's that ridiculous looking sword thing called um, machetes. It's it's huge machinery. And now the damage that, that they do, because it is damage. It's not whether you do it for a reason or you just do it by accident, damage is damage. It's in such a grand scale nowadays that the there's almost no coming back from it. Back in tribal days, when they would clear out land for whatever their purpose was, it wasn't so destructive. Yes, did they take trees, did they remove plants, but the earth rebounded quite easily, quite quickly. Now, when they when they you call deforestation, when they when they clear land, they clear it, and anything in the way gets killed. Mm-hmm. It's it's absolutely horrendous, and I'm not saying that it's new. It's not new. It's just in a much more deadly scale than it ever used to be. It's gross. Well, and, it, and it's and when it is in a country, and I'm not criticizing the country. I'm criticizing some of their leaders, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, politicians. There's a difference. When it's in a country led by politicians and their thought process is money over anything else, this is one of the largest carbon sinks on the planet. Yeah, well, it's, it's 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 all foliage. It's huge. Yeah, so as they're peeling back hundreds of millions of acres and just turning it into wasteland, and we're using that wasteland to put the highest carbon-based industry on it for emissions, mm-hmm. that's it's like a problem of a problem of a problem. Like, it's just bad decision after bad decision, and it's because this generation of human in that space right now will make some money. Yeah, well, I think that that's the that's kind of the way that it it goes, right? When you develop like, is 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 that part of the world considered like third world? No, no, not really anymore. And remember, the term third world was based on superpowers. You had the United States and Russia in the eighties. Third world was the smaller ones who had to choose first or second world. Okay, so, so underdeveloped. Yeah, developing nation is what you would utilize when you're talking about them. But they are, I think, a little beyond developing nation. They still have high crime in some areas. And I always say it wrong. I think it's the Fluellas or whatever it is. It's called on the outskirts of uh, Rio de Janeiro or different places like that. But to me, it, it equates a lot like Mexico, where there's a lot of thriving industry. There's money coming in, but they still hold a very high disparency. And who gets that income? Well, the, the reason I ask is because generally speaking, what you see is that when, when you have nations or parts of the world that are developing, until the standard of living for the average consumer is raised high enough for them to consider things like sustainability and stuff like that, then you end up seeing bad decision after bad decision after bad. You, it, it's a series of bad decisions until the general populace is able to make good decisions. And then you see that trickle upward with the, who they vote in power and who they support. And it's like one of those really, really, really long processes, like the, the rainbow after the thunderstorm. It's terrible, but it may be something we're stuck with for this foreseeable future. We can't exactly walk in there, spank them and tell them no. Well, it's part of the development of a country, unfortunately, is there's a blueprint that people think is how you get 
to become a successful nation. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is following Europe like we did, which Mm -hmm. is go through this industrial age, use your vast resources to create and be able to become a world power. And that's what you're seeing happen in Mexico and China and Brazil, Mm -hmm. where they're in, even in some parts of Africa, which I think Africa will really ramp up and that's going to cause a whole different problem. We should probably do a show on what happens to consumerism when Africa joins the rest of the world and in that, but, but isn't Africa like one of the biggest populations yeah, I mean, it's a continent. How many people are in Africa? Over a billion, right? Billion, I, billion. A, a lot. lot. I don't know, but a lot. But that's a whole, that's a different conversation. But what we have is these countries who say, okay, let's use all of our attributes to become relevant. Okay. And that's what they're doing. Some exploit labor, some exploit labor and the land, and some just the land. And what we see is this is the blueprint of human to become relevant and it's not really the i don't think the best way to do it it is absolutely the worst way for the planet and the people on it but if you look back in history for the politicians who did that and created some minor wealth for a middle class they're idolized well yeah because it it, it works and that, that that's the the most important part of this whole thing is that people see it work whether it's good or bad it works. They can see that it works. So there's no reason to change the way they do it, which is, if anything, the reason to change the way they do it. Just because something works doesn't mean you should do it. I can put gasoline in the bottom of a hole and then light it, have it explode half my yard. You could call it landscaping. It works. Probably not a good idea. Well, like, and I think you're using works very loosely because it yeah, generally kicks the can down the road, makes one person look good in a very short term. And then they can go, look what I've done for you. But if you take that statement 80 to 100 years later and say, look what they did for you, it's going to be said in a different tone. Mike, define politics without defining politics. (laughs) Yes, I know. It's a room full of dories from, what was that cartoon? Finding Nemo? I think it's somewhere in between. I'm going to take you back on this one. It's somewhere in between Dory and Stuart from Mad TV. Look what I can do. Like four seconds later. It's Neil deGrasse Tyson who pointed out to me, and I didn't catch it on my own, unfortunately, that every decision is made within an election cycle. So there is no longevity. There is no sustainability. There is no long-term decisions because everybody wants to know what you did during this time. You can't run four years and start a project that takes 16 because the next person just shuts it down and it never gets done. And that's what I'm talking about. People see it. The optics is the most important part of this. And that that right there is where the change in culture has to happen because people have to get to a point where they can they can look further down the road where they don't actually have to see right now instant gratification. That is not right there. And that is not a pathway for, for longevity. That is a pathway for self-indulgent wieners. So I should probably move into some contributors, even though beef industry is number one. This is the palm oil we talked about is there that one is a large 40 percent of deforestation in borneo indonesia and malaysia is purely for palm oil and all they do is quite literally burn down a forest they don't even harvest the forest they burn it down Mm -hmm. and plant palm trees for create a monoculture as far as the eye can see but they didn't even remove the resource that was there to begin with so I really wanted to do a palm oil episode because I, I want to do an episode on oils, 
but we can get to that later. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I understand it has a lot of uses. It's better. They're better than seed oils in terms of for your body. But I don't think that any industry is worth completely wiping out an entire mass of land for. Like, I'm going to plant trees. Okay, what kind of trees? Palm trees for oil. I'm going to burn down 100 acres of trees so that I can plant trees. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, look. Look at this sweet birdhouse. I cut it down. I made a birdhouse out of it. So you cut a tree down to make a house for a bird, but a tree was a house for a bird. Right. That's but a it's, process. Uh, yeah, it's it's brilliant. Totally brilliant. So when it comes to palm oil, all they do is it's not even a clear cut. I was kind of, I guess, angered when I watched the fact that they literally just catch it on fire, which means all the biodiversity within that area either escapes or doesn't. Well, those and are the then, two options. And then you plant infant trees to run your palm oil business where only a tiny fraction of any biodiversity comes back. Mm -hmm. That whole area is just decimated and becomes in a sense sterile. Yeah. But how could it come back? That's what people don't maybe don't consider. When I say people, I mean the average person who hears about this stuff, like life is a cycle. It is a circle. It goes in a circle. And you can look at it any way you want to. If you destroy an entire habitat, an entire ecosystem, you destroyed food, prey, and predators. You destroyed plants. So essentially, there's a certain amount of, I remember who said this, but the, the animals that eat the plants exist for the animals that eat the animals. And it's a cycle. Like, it goes in a circle. You take that all away, nothing's going to come back. It would take hundreds of years for those animals to even consider moving back in. If they even, I mean, if they do, if they do migrate out, if, if they are, you know, run away again like, from mankind, which I don't blame them, and they get nestled in somewhere else, like, they're not, they don't, they don't free think. The animals move based on need, based on habitat, based on requirements, food, water, blah, blah, blah. So if you push them out of one area, you're going to push them into another one, which is just going to ruin the ecosystem there because now they have an overabundance of something they didn't have before. Yeah, that's something that that is brought up in here is that we continue to corner nature, uh pushing the prey and predators into smaller and smaller spaces. Well, you push it, what you end up doing is wiping out smaller populations that weren't, that didn't involve to deal with certain types of predators. I mean, if you, okay, so you and I talk a lot about retirement and going to Hawaii. Now, didn't you tell me that there are certain animals that aren't even allowed on Hawaii for that specific reason? Was it snakes? Snakes aren't allowed in Hawaii. Is that the one? And then you look at the opposite being that we live in Michigan. Michigan hundreds of years ago was completely wooded. We don't have predators in Michigan. They're starting to come back a little bit. You're starting to see cougars and bears a little more often, but they used to be all over the state. And we almost completely wiped them out here to make room for us which pushed them up north. Mm-hmm. Well, they're start, they are finally starting to come back. This is 200 and how, what? This is 250 years? Yeah, after. only because of conservation mm-hmm. and people throwing a fit that they're being hunted. Yeah. So another one, this one I did not know, and I just kind of disgustingly chuckled to myself, but soybeans, which we know is a common, common crop in the United States and mm-hmm. across the world. Yep. Used for tons of things, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think the number one thing we use soybeans for? I know the I didn't num- prep you for that, but the number yeah, but- one thing we use soy for? Yeah, it's not food. Oh, give me a second. This is a hard one for me to guess at. It, soybean is considered a superfood. It, it's got or super plant. It's got so many uses. It's used as an additive, as a preservative. So I, I, I can't, I can't guess, Michael. There's way too many things. 
Okay, not a problem. 77%. So way more than half, right? 77% of global soybean production. It's actually half more than half, but continue. Yes. (laughs) So way more than half of global soybean production is used to feed livestock. That makes sense. We're using this vast net, this vast network of the superfood because we we're ripping down trees, we're 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 cleaning out forest so that we can plant this superfood. Mm-hmm. Then we go somewhere else and rip down another forest and full it and fill it full of livestock so that it's not even coming to us. You know, they always say, but well, we have to have land to feed us. We have to have land to feed us. But every time I look into what we tear down four crops those crops aren't even for us now they are in a second tier because you're feeding pigs and you're feeding chickens and then we're you know eating the pigs and chickens but this is why we're seeing rising cost in meats especially beef from the numbers that i'm seeing that have grown completely blown up out of proportion Mm -hmm. and what we will do to keep getting that beef or to keep getting this meat this absolutely counterproductive to longevity on the planet but now here we are planting and by the way 77 percent goes to livestock 16 percent goes to veggie oil and biofuels yeah like i said there's too many uses for it that it's it's impossible for me to have guessed that i do think it's ironic that our not ironic, but surprising them. The, the majority of it goes to feeding animals instead of humans. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised by that since soy is still all the rage after 20 years. Yeah. It, so here we are with 2.2 million acres of soy out there where only a tiny fraction actually makes it back for human consumption. The rest is to help support this massive network of other stuff. So those were things that I was kind of surprised because I expected to see the very first thing being the logging industry, but the logging industry is only the one who pulls down all the logs. The reason why we're pulling them down is someone else. They're being hired. So, of course, they're the largest in deforestation, but they're only doing it because people ask them to. If not, we could regulate, select, cut, all these other things. Mm Mm-hmm. But that isn't happening. What they're doing is they're contacting logging companies and say, start here and stop when you retire. And then you start chewing up the land. And as they gain land, then they start throwing livestock in or they start plowing it and trying to create farms with soybean or palm oil, whatever it happens to be. Palm oil is worse because they're just putting that captured carbon back into our atmosphere through catching it on fire. At least if it went to Ikea, it'd still be captured. But the mm-hmm. logging industry is just the hand that helps these companies do it. So I don't usually do this, but I did take the top six companies who are the reason for deforestation, and I wrote them down, and I'm going to tell everybody. Good. Get them. Uh, which is rare for me to do that. It's okay. And some of these I didn't really know. When you do it more often, it'll start to feel right. It's okay. <laughs> top six, number six, IKEA. There's a lot of lawsuits out there that, that maybe they're not pulling their their wood from the most ethical places or the most ethical companies, but they're pulling so much that it encourages companies to find more wood at any quality. They're not pulling enough to make good furniture. That's a whole different decision. <laughs> and remember, some of that is when they clear an area, and this is going to be a lumber spot, They look for the fastest growing trees. Fastest growing trees grow less dense. 
than slow grow species. So the ones that take a hundred years to really develop are very dense, very strong. But in our industry, when you say dense, you mean hardwood. Yeah. Yeah. So, fast growing is softwood. That's just for those that don't understand that. Yeah. So you, if they want to sell lumber, they plant fast growing trees, which is oh. almost, you can, it feels like you can bend it with your hands because it's just as air gaps. There's, it's not as solid throughout. Well, it's also smaller and people need to think about that. Like when you say you know, fast growing trees, we're not talking about a tree that goes from a regularly little sapling to like, you know, 40 foot tall within a couple of years. Usually, honestly, most of these are softwoods like, like jack pines and stuff. It takes five or six years and they get five or six feet tall, maybe 10 foot, 15 foot tall. And then they just, they rip all the limbs off it. They clean the bark off and you're left with just enough of a trunk to make a couple boards. Like it's not like it's a, a big tree. One tree makes one table. Sorry, I'm, I I find it to be frustrating. I well, and I don't I don't know that. I I know that you can get a lot of wood out of these things, but they also leave a lot of scrap. Not everything is used. It's just well, no, they do get a lot of wood out. You're right, but what I'm saying is when they, when they mill it down, the it doesn't really matter how big the tree was in that regard. They might get one log, but they're just going to plane it, glue it together, clamp it. They can make boards any size they want out of these soft trees, but they, the trees grow so fast, they don't have the opportunity to really to get the size that they probably could. I'm going to stop talking about trees now. You go okay. on. <laughs> Number five is a company called JBS. I didn't know them, but they're one of the larger beef companies, Walmart because of their product requirements and how much stuff they need for it to constantly cycle through. Mm-hmm. Wilmer International is a palm, the largest palm oil company. BlackRock for mining. Strip mining is another reason why. It just didn't make the top three or four. Strip mining is another one that quite often they'll rip out forests to get to certain areas. Okay. And BlackRock was number two. And then what is it? Cargill? Cargill? I don't, I don't know half Cargill? They are the largest producer of soy and beef. So... These super companies that probably own 40, 50 to 100 companies underneath them that require all these inputs have become these massive machines of Mm -hmm. removal. And they're doing it all over the world, all over the world, quite often in developing nations or places where politicians like the favors offered in exchange for their natural resources. It is... I can't even say amazing anymore. It's becoming normal. But how much we're willing to mortgage the future. Remember, sustainability is being able to meet our current needs without mortgaging the future of future generations' needs. Mm -hmm. And that is not what we're doing. We're consistently mortgaging through mining, through logging, through these massive monocultures, mortgaging the future of our children and our grandchildren. One of the quotes that I saw... And that isn't, this, is, this isn't relevant to deforestation, but it's relevant to mortgaging the future. I just saw a quote, and I don't remember the name of it, but I put it in a presentation that I'm doing today that says, one of the major ingredients in our grandchildren's recipes will be plastic. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because they won't even know it's in there. But that is the road we are traveling. That is, that is what happens when the mindset of economy supersedes anything else when the answer is you'll you'll hurt the economy and the world says oh never mind oh when no, that he, happens he hits me in happens. the wallet it's not good right or when gas goes up and everybody freaks out that freak out doesn't do what it's supposed to do all it does is create blame and everybody jostles and jockeys around to figure out who to blame 
instead of create reduction and start making these changes to force these companies to do better things. Now, I will say they're one of the things I saw is IKEA is kind of they've been hit pretty hard. The, a lot of organizations have targeted them and they keep talking about going for ethical lumber and these things, but it, they're not there yet. Yeah, but that doesn't it's not it's not a real thing. No, it's, we've learned that with labels that quite often you can pay for a label that says something is ethical. Yeah, well, no, but I mean, ethical lumber doesn't exist. There's no way the closest thing you can get to ethical lumber is to reclaim like old barn wood and repurpose that and utilize that. And you know what I mean? Like it's if, if, in order to have a furniture company that sells furniture, you're going to have to do what they're doing. If we're talking on a global scale, the size of the company, the way it is to have, to keep up with their demand that's they're going to do what they're going to do the ethical doesn't exist at that size so before i start to wrap us up i want to say this is a consequence of that consumer culture ikea makes a product that is expected to be replaced a lot of companies have designed obsolescence into their into their devices into their furniture whatever it is they do very trendy things knowing that in three to five years it starts to wear and you're going to want a new look anyway so it gets chucked to the road and the next one comes in they get to yeah. continue this infinite growth concept which is as fictional as fiction can be That's infinite fiction. growth cannot be a measurement of success then no one will ever be successful yeah, no, it's a little bit is never going to be enough. And it, what they're doing is ensuring they're constantly going to have jobs there because there's a point where they realize an in industry that if you make something so good, then you don't have a reason to keep producing them. And so they, they because if you look at industry went up and up and up and, and all these different types of areas got better and better and technology got better. And then they, it's like they hit a screeching halt and went, whoa, we better dial this back. And instead of improving designs and improving the quality of life, we're just going to improve the options and improve people's choices, but tone the quality down so they keep buying more and we can keep producing more. So we're always going to have money. We're always going to have a reason to be here. Right. Oh. I mean, they made, I think light bulbs are the best example, but light bulbs, they made light bulbs a hundred years ago that will almost never burn out. And they're like, oh, well, that's not a good thing. We better stop that. Like, it's just, I hate it, Michael. Yep. So I'll close us off on deforestation. Massive biodiversity destruction. I like what you were saying over there is that you get predators and prey. You've got animals in the wrong habitats that they weren't necessarily prepared to defend themselves within. Or even know what thing is food and what thing is not. Because that happens too. Well, look at it. I mean, what, what happens if you take a, a predator that is a high energy, high action predator, like like a lion or something, who normally would uh, uh, would kill a beast like a buffalo, which is hundreds of pounds, in an area where the biggest thing is like a rabbit or a small dog, or you know what I mean? Like when you when you put a predator that far outclasses its prey in terms of size, it's going to wipe out that whole population. Yeah. You're just cornering all these creatures in one space where only some of them are equipped to defend themselves. Yeah. But that's not even the only bad thing about it. You get soil destruction. So as mm -hmm. you start pulling all this new, you're pulling up all this, all the roots, you're pulling up all the grass, you're killing all the bushes. You create this environment where uh, topsoil erosion is a consistent thing. Where every time there's a storm or it rains or any of that, it, there's nothing to hold it in place. Over time, it just washes away. 
the ability to produce life on that ground. All the topsoil goes. Any of the topsoil that doesn't go, the monoculture steals whatever the important nutrient is. It mm-hmm. creates this dead land. It creates this long term, the, the desertification or something. Desertification, I can never say it. I'm just going to call it a dust bowl. Yeah. Well, I mean, historically it was a dust bowl, but it is, it creates a desert. There's a lack of light. It brings in, promotes crop disease because you don't have a diversity within the area. So you have crops that are too close to each other. And when one of them gets a fungus or disease, it spreads easily to the rest of the crop. That's why Mm -hmm. we don't have bananas. It will increase the amount of pest. It will, the only living creatures generally in those areas are invasive species because they can deal with the harsh environment. Deforestation is terrible in every single aspect except for temporary income and that's the point i wanted to get across today is that i just wanted to talk about it most people listening understand and care about deforestation but the fact of the matter is is it only happens because we're still buying these certain things at high global rates without Mm -hmm. that same thing with beef without that they're not ripping out massive swaths of land to offer us something so that's all I really had for us this week. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend or, or on social media. You want to help realistic sustainability? I'm going to say it again. Five-star reviews. I know I haven't said it in a while, but your jump on, say something nice, gives us the warm and fuzzies. And if you'd like to support realistic sustainability and maybe even get a little glimpse into who Nick and I are behind, behind this microphone, join our Patreon. You can do it for as little as a dollar a month. And it will allow you to start voting on what shows we're going to record next and get pushed out into the public. You'll see photos and comments and we'll start doing videos. Nick here at a certain level on the Patreon, which I think is near, I think it's like five bucks. We'll start doing recipes and putting those out. I will? You will. I will. Vegetarian and what you called just food will be out every month. And that's a place where we're going to get opportunities to communicate back and forth a little more than maybe our Facebook or other, other options. So if you join that, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've already seen some people kind of shift off of our Spotify and into our Patreon. We just want to have a spot where it's a little more community like, thank you all very much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. And remember, we only get together each week to get a little bit better, a little bit, a little bit, big bit. Thanks again. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we will see you next week.